Hello again, Broncos country. Welcome to another episode of the Orange Weekly pre-game podcast brought to you by the Orange Weekly Broadcast Network. I am Jared. I'm here with David and our great special guest, Spotty. Guys, how you feeling after three wins in a row going into another night game in uh, at, in Denver against Minnesota? Riding a high right now. Uh, too much, actually. I'm uh, I, I'm feeling like at any point the wind could come out of our sails, but all at the same time, I'm excited. I'm really excited for this game, another primetime game, another opportunity for us to show that we are possibly a wild card. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And yeah, Spotty, I'm really excited. I feel better at now than I have at any point during this season. Um, and it's, I never thought, after what happened with the Dolphins, and we're not going to talk about it anymore. Last time, Jared, Dude, I promise. Do we, we talked about this? <laughs> but I, I know. I understand. I'm sorry. But feeling as low as I did after that, I didn't think I would feel as good as I do at this point again for the rest of 2023. So just being back there is really nice. Yeah, and, and Spotty mentioned it, guys. We are riding, not only are we riding a three-game win streak, and we're looking like one of the hotter teams right now, but there's a lot of turmoil going on the, in the AFC right now with uh, wild card predictions. I don't want to talk about playoffs quite yet. Let's see. Let's get through Sunday night. Uh, but we'll talk all about that more uh, on this episode of the Orange Weekly pregame podcast. <laughs> Orange Weekly, fans, brews, and Broncos news. All right, we are back. Guys, thank you so much for joining us. Make sure you're hitting that like button, share button. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell your loved ones, tell people that you may hate. I don't care. Tell everybody. Make sure you're downloading the Orange Weekly pregame podcast. But we're here to talk about Sunday night, guys. We did really well against Buffalo on a Monday night game, which historically in the last couple of years, we haven't been very good in primetime. So now we have another a back-to-back primetime game on Sunday night against the Vikings. What are your first initial thoughts before we start breaking down some of these matches? Uh, Spotty, I'll start with you. Um, the first thing I wanted to even talk about is, is a matchup of two of the hottest teams in the NFL. The Vikings are riding a 5-0 uh, streak currently, which is incredible considering that they've missed out on Justin Jefferson on all, almost all of those games, I believe. And the Broncos coming off, uh, you know, being 3-0 and in their last couple of games and beating two of the better teams in the NFL. I guarantee you when the matchmakers in the NFL were looking at the schedule about three or four weeks ago, they're looking at this matchup and they're like, wow, what did we do and how do we get out of it? <laughs> but all of a sudden, this Sunday night game has repercussions not only on the AFC side, but on the NFC side. And, and – Josh Dobbs is flying through here so fast that he even lost his eyebrows on this one. So I'm <laughs> really looking forward to this matchup because I, I, I think most of the time these last couple of weeks, I'm like, ugh, I don't know how I feel about this game for the Broncos, but I, now I feel really good on almost every facet of the game. So uh, it, it, it couldn't possibly be a much better Sunday night game. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
I'm going to, and we'll deep dive into this, but the, you know, I'm going to highlight a kind of an actual on the field matchup. And I'm also going to shout out Mike Carmelini, who's listening his way through Broncos podcasts and gave us a special shout out on social media. <laughs> um, so I'm going to give the Vikings defense their Flores. See what I did there, guys? Flores <laughs> instead of flowers. Cause it, okay. All right. Jared sees it. He doesn't like it. Oh, um, no. <laughs> okay. But I am, because I'll tell you, they they are one of the bl- most blitz-heavy teams, not in the league, but of, like, all time. And that matchup against Russell Wilson in particular really concerns me this week. We're going to get into all of that, but that's that's what I'm looking at in this game. But, man, Spotty, you made some great points. Really big uh, primetime game. Two of the hottest teams in the NFL. If it's not the Broncos, and it, it it's probably the Vikings – uh, taking that crown right now and so yeah two weeks ago this game looks like complete and utter garbage and you're like why didn't they flex this out of prime time right now it looks like one of the best matchups of the week and i'm super excited yeah and and a lot of a lot of chance to highlight uh dobbs and what he's been doing with that vikings mm-hmm. team and we we still don't know what the status of justin jefferson is it looks like he was back to practice but there's some thoughts that he may not be back ready for this game what's that questionable in the on the Vikings injury report today yeah so, yeah. so and that that's uh, as a Friday as a Friday's practice he's still questionable so we'll see he might be a game time decision they might decide to go without him but um let's go ahead and start David let's start out what you want to talk about let's talk about their blitz heavy defense and Brian Flores uh against Russell Wilson and our uh our offense who who seems to be Doing well uh, statistically, but as we're watching the games, we, we obviously would like to see a little bit more. What, what's the first thing, David, that you, that pops out to you on this? Yeah, it's that Vikings blitz rate for sure, Jared. And we talked about it a little bit, but the Vikings blitz like 49% of the time or something this season. Um, you know, as of the end of October, they were blitzing on 60% of pass plays. And they, I know it's, it's absolutely absurd. It's what you have to do. If you don't have naturally talented pass rushers, the thing is the Vikings have Daniel Hunter. So they have a naturally talented pass rusher and they're still bringing six or seven guys. So often Um, they, they lowered that blitz rate last week against the saints actually. Um, But you know, that just tells me that Brian Flores knows how to change up his game plans, knows how to, because of course, when the Saints were playing last week, they had an injured Derek Carr, and then they had Jameis Winston come in in the second half when Carr just couldn't go anymore. So the Vikings switched it up. They didn't have to blitz Jameis Winston because they know Jameis Winston's going to throw them the ball anyway. So just drop as many guys back there to catch it as possible. And that's what they did. <laughs> they only blitzed on 20% of plays, but they still won 27-19. My point is, I think they know what their opponent's strengths and weaknesses on offense are, and I think that they see Russell Wilson being one of the worst, I think maybe the worst, quarterback in quarterback rating against the Blitz this season, and they say, well, I know exactly what we're doing on second and third down every single drive. And that really frightens me a little bit. You know, we heard Joe Lombardi talking about it in the post in the pregame press conference today that, they, that, that just takes a huge chunk of your playbook completely out of the game for you. Like there are just a section of plays that you're not going to call all game long because you know, they're bringing six or seven guys. And so, you know, we'll talk about the solution to that in a, in a little bit. Um, But spotty, what do you think? Is there, you know, is there a way that this passing offense gets going against a blitz heavy defense like that? 
You know, one of the first things I want to bring up is the fact that the reason that they have to be so heavy on the blitz is their inadequacies in the secondary. I mean, I was I at sitting here looking through the roster. I think Byron Murphy Jr. is really the only name that sticks out at you on there. Um, I I'm, I can't even believe I'm going to say this, but it's going to be very necessary for the Broncos to take advantage of when they're going to be too aggressive. And that might mean a wide receiver bubble screen or a running back screen. <laughs> we, we, it's, I, I, it, it hurts me. I actually, my stomach actually turned in my seat when I said that, because I've been <laughs> so against it the last, I don't know, seven weeks because it hasn't necessarily worked, but if there's going to be a situation where they're going to try to get upfield constantly, and we know Daniil Hunter is probably going to get to Russell at least one time in this game, then we need to take advantage of them in those time frames. But, of course, that that means that we have to block on the outside. That means that Cortland Sutton or whoever's out there has to pick somebody off. Otherwise, the, that play is going to get blown up in the backfield. But if we're getting in those second or third and longs, they are very susceptible to long plays down the field. Unfortunately, that's not necessarily what we've done well uh, in in probably weeks, probably since the Bears game. So there are ways to counteract that blitz that's coming from the Vikings in which teams have shown. I think even Jameis Winston came in and played played fairly well against them considering a guy who's been he's been riding the pine for so long so if we can somehow find a way to force those uh the ball down the field and and to get some of those guys in open space we're going to see a lot more yards from russell than we have in four weeks and, and I'll, I'll say this and, and kind of leading into this, Ben Powers looks like he is going to be playing in this game. And I'll start this off with saying I'm cheating a little bit while picking my matchup because I'm picking three players. But I think the communication between Powers, Christianberry and Miners there in the middle is going to be the difference maker in this game. I think having those guys on the same page and communicating well with the, the blitzes, the stunts specifically um, as they're coming up the middle the communication between those guys is going to be super important. Obviously, they're edge rushers. Uh, we talked about it. They do have Hunter on the edge to, um, to to be able to get out there against Mike McGlinchey, which might be an interesting matchup. But mm. I think those three in the middle with the stunts coming up the middle and the blitzes coming through the center, if he, if, if Russ cannot get in his if, – if he cannot have defenders in his face immediately <laughs> – he's going to be able to find an open receiver, at least like protect the ball, which is what he's been doing so well this year. Um, so I think that's really where it's going to come down to is those three guys in the middle to be able to stop that. I think it might be a boomer bust game for Russ. Like, I think it might be a kind of a game where you're going to see guys in his face immediately a lot. And there are going to be times when he's able to move past them and step up into a pocket and deliver a strike. And there are going to be times where he is like spinning around and, you think maybe he's going to get out of it and then he just takes like a boneheaded sack. And I think you're going to see probably both of those types of plays in this game. I I think this is the time to see that passing game mm -hmm. open. Up. I mean, I'm looking through the last couple of games that the uh, Vikings have played. They've allowed 50 yards or so to Bijan Robinson, 50 yards or so to Alvin Kamara. So they know 
that they have to be able to stop the run. But then I'm looking at 100 yards for um, Chris Alave, 100 yards for Gianu Smith. I, who knows how that even happened. <laughs> so if, if there was a time for the passing game to open up, it is now. I As much as I want to force the ball down their throats as much as possible when it comes to running the football, I don't think – I think that's is probably the first week that we're going to see a team to try to take that away from us 100%. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. So what, what do you guys think of your guys' matchups of this game? I mean, you guys kind of talked about it. I think Russ is going to be obviously the biggest, the biggest difference maker. I think the play calling, we talked about that being the, the biggest difference maker, but who's the one guy on this offense that can really just make this team like it, that make it a difference. I got two words for you. Samaje Pirine. <laughs> okay. Guys, okay. I think I intend to see, a ton of Samaj P. Ryan this game. I don't just expect, I intend to see it. Um, <laughs> I, I think it, I don't think you're going to see a ton of Jaleel McLaughlin out there. Um, oh, no. He's not the guy you want there out there on passing downs or against a blitz heavy defense. Um, you, you know, and if you put him out there, it's probably going to telegraph to the offense. The ball's going <laughs> to him. So um, yeah, I think you, you see Samaj P. Ryan in there smashing guys, playing a little smash mouth football. I think you're going to see him get the ball a lot, but I, you know, you're going to see him blocking on a ton of downs. Okay. This, I know this, I want to, I want this. It's probably more that I hope more that this is going to happen. So my matchup is Marvin Mims. And the reason that I hope this is going to happen is we've seen that we're at the times that we've been able to take the top off of the defense is when Marvin has been getting in uh, over that secondary. This is that time. He's the person who's actually become the downfield threat. We thought Jerry Judy would be the downfield threat for us, but we really know it's this kid. And so I think that we're going to probably try to get the ball to him as much as possible, not only to get him out into the open field, open space map and make um, plays, but also to give us – Give us that little of that safety net. Make sure that safety's not who's Harrison is not climbing in the box to force the run. So he's going to be yeah. the one that's going to open it up. These last couple of weeks, that's everybody, all everybody's been doing against the Vikings, and we have to show that we can do it too. Yeah, when you talk about extending the field on the offense, that's a, that's a big part of it. Is if we can, if we can, even if he doesn't make the catches, extend him downfield a couple times, twenty yard, twenty yard passes up the middle. Uh, it, it extends the, it, it gives us more range to be able to do more things, especially if we're talking about blitz heavy offense or blitz heavy defenses, we're going to have to get the ball out of Russ's hands quick. And you can't do that if everyone's up on 20 yards and, and there's no downfield threat. So I think that's a hundred percent correct spotty. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Um, okay. You guys want to switch to the other side or you got anything else going on on the offense that you guys want to talk about? I can dig it. Yeah. Let's roll. Let's let's flip it. Denver Broncos defense. Talk about when we talk about the change in the Broncos season so far this year. This is where this is where it happened. Uh, for some reason, we we talk about there's a game earlier this season that I blacked out on, and now all of a sudden, now all of a sudden, our defense is playing very well against very good offensive teams, and now we're going against a quarterback who is like we talked about is kind of hot and he's playing very well, and I think VJ. Uh, in his press conference today mentioned um, Dobbs has been a backup quarterback in this league for at least seven years. And when you got a backup time behind that many people, he's just, he just knows where to go with the ball. He can, he can wait till his third look and still find a third look open guy. Um, How is our defense going to stop that? 
Good question. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm really intrigued to see how it goes just because, you know, we're talking about Josh Dobbs here. It's not, you know, <laughs> we, he's like you've said, he's been on a lot of teams. He's been a backup on a lot of teams. He spent a lot of time in the league and he's not a, he's a good quarterback. He showed it the past two weeks with the Vikings. Um, it's this offense. It's this quarterback friendly offense that kind of gets me a little bit nervous more than anything about it. Um, Cause he's got, uh, you know, he's got the, um, um, the tight end and now whose name is escaping me. Um, thank Hawkinson. you. TJ Hawkinson. Yeah. Um, who came over in that trade trade with the lions and had, you know, lit up the stat sheet last week for them. Um, and we all know the Broncos have a little bit of uh, <laughs> problem covering that athletic tight end to begin with. But yeah, that connection with hit with Dobbs is already really strong. The tight end is already a, a new quarterback's best friend anyway. Um, and yeah, so, I mean, that's the matchup that I would be highlighting for the, for them. David, to, to, to say that we have a, a small problem is a very nice way to say uh, what you really mean to say. And we have a big problem with tight ends in the past. Uh, obviously, we did very well against Kelsey, uh, both games, really. Well, that's it. Uh, so- I mean, in the- but in the first game, Kelsey had his catches and had his yards and they still scored 19 points. So, uh, you know, that alone, that connection alone is not going to be enough to beat this Broncos defense at the way it's playing now. I don't think. Body, what do you think? It's going to start with the front seven for the Broncos. I, it's almost, I don't understand how the Buffalo Bills, who we would characterize as a team who doesn't run the football well, ran the football real well. I, I think right. they would take that, that kind of running game from you know every game of the year if they could. The, the Vikings are a team that I wouldn't characterize as a team that runs the football really well. Again, they haven't been for the last couple of years. There's the possibility that um, Alexander Mattinson isn't going to play this game if he can't clear a concussion protocol. So we have a rookie running back back there. But this uh, this is a time that we cannot allow them to run amok into uh, against us we were bad at tackling those games mm-hmm. the games prior to this buffalo game we were doing a a really good job of covering of getting the run i mean uh, but of course the the packers and the chiefs are teams that don't necessarily run the ball well and they had some injuries when it came down to that so i was hoping that into this buffalo game that we would you know, have that same scheme to stop the run. And a hundred percent, if the the only reason the Buffalo Bills got back into this game is because they uh, decided to feed James Cook on that last drive, where again, I don't believe they passed that whole entire drive and rammed it down our throats. Every team is going to do that. Every, the Vikings are absolutely going to try to establish that run to help Josh Dobbs out. It, you don't just come into a team to and become all you know all conference all of a sudden it takes time to build uh that relationship with the receivers the line and the running backs but you really help a quarterback out by being able to run the football if we can put them into those second and long situations i don't believe that their offensive line is that is that great and yes, Josh Dobbs can create with his feet, but he's still a creator who's looking to throw the ball downfield. So we need in the early downs, we need to be winning on with our front seven. If we can run, win with our front seven, I do believe the Broncos are going to have a much easier time taking care of Josh Dobbs. 
Yeah, there's, and, there's two things I want to mention on that. Well, the first one is their tackle, Christian Derrissaw, is their, the number one tackle, according to Pro Football Focus, the number one tackle in the league right now. Uh, those edge rushers are going to have a tough time getting to him, so it's really going to come down to those that interior line. Um, I guess on both sides, I talked about it on the offensive side, but on the defensive side, that interior is going to have to get some sort of pressure, gap fill, um, and then you saw it on the Monday night game. We did a lot of spying on Josh Allen. We did a lot of a lot of times where our linebackers can, would come up and just kind of sit and kind of follow where Josh Allen was going so he didn't have an escape. I think you're going to see a lot of the same concepts this week against Josh Dobbs because the one thing that as I've only watched you know some of the highlights of some of these Minnesota games, but what he can do is on a third and 10, a guaranteed passing down, is he could take off with his feet and get those 10 yards, and then all of a sudden the drive's back on. That's the last thing we need if we're putting him in a third and 10. So I, I definitely foresee us doing some sort of spy on Josh Dobbs. Um, and that a lot of that is going to depend on whether or not Justin Jefferson is going to play in this game. Because mm. I, I told you guys, you guys really think you're high on, on Addison. We talked about on the Bourbon Broncos No BS show on Tuesday night. I don't think that um, Addison is all he's cracked up to be. Yeah, he's a first round pick. Yeah, he's a good wide receiver. I just think that with with Pat Sertan and the way our secondary is playing right now, I think we can control the secondary as long as we can control Josh Dobbs staying in the pocket and trying to make a decision. Um, just something I just saw. Josh Dobbs has run for more than 40 yards in all but one game so far this year. Right. And a lot of those came on like third. Like it wasn't designed plays. It was like third and longs, and he would just take off and get the first down and continue to the drive, keep the drive alive, which is why everyone's so high on him is because he figures out a way to make the play. And I think he's got a couple of rushing touchdowns too, does he not? Uh, he has a rushing touchdown in almost every game he's played this year. Yeah. So yeah. that's that's going to be, I think, a big part of our our uh, defensive strategy here against him is make him throw the ball. He's got a great arm. He's got good vision, but make him throw the ball, because if we let him take off with his feet, he's going to keep drives alive. And that's something that we we need to stop. Well, and I want to shout out um, former Broncos player and coach Chris Cooper, who is the offensive uh, line coach up in Minnesota and has done a really good job um coaching all of those guys up there you mentioned jared that james bradbury was one of the worst offensive linemen in the league for an awfully long time and now he's like a decent center for them and yeah. so yeah um but you're you guys are both right in that um you know we've got to win with our front seven like spotty said um jared i i i i think you're wrong to underestimate jordan addison however i will say <laughs> Um, it, you know, J Justin Jefferson playing or not playing really is kind of the X factor for the secondary in this game. And, you know, that's a really obvious statement because Justin Jefferson's a top three wide receiver in the NFL. But um, just from the standpoint of it opens up Jordan Addison and TJ Hawkinson both so much more if, if Justin Jefferson is stretching the field and taking up Pat Sertan's attention so much. Um. And, you know, you see Jaquan McMillan in there. If uh, I, I'd love I'd love to see that matchup of McMillan versus Addison. McMillian, perhaps it is. And maybe we've been pronouncing that wrong. And if so, Jaquan, obviously you're a big fan of the show. So reach out. Let us know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, I like that matchup for the Broncos, you know, and it's just going to be, you know, with K-Jack coming back this week, is the secondary going to be able to fall back into that cohesiveness that they've been having this last couple of weeks with P.J. Locke in there? Um, PJ Locke out. I think the only Bronco player ruled out for this game is PJ Locke. It looks like on the injury report, um, but, you know, K Jack stepping back in, you know, hopefully we have that continuity, but man, you know, it, it all depends on Jefferson now. Right. 
see, and I like Kareem Jackson being back for the physicality in that run game for us. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. I think it, knowing somebody like him can come into the box, and I mean, we, you also forget that up to the point that he got suspended, he was leading the Broncos in interceptions. So he he does a, <laughs> he does a lot for us, but also at the same time, he puts us in bad situations. And if, when it comes to his hitting or his style of play, and you know the first game back, they're going to be paying attention to how he's playing this game, how he's mm-hmm. approaching these players. So that could that could bite us in the butt a little bit. I'm hoping that it doesn't. I'm hoping that he comes into the box and he's allowed Justin Simmons to be the one to play over the top and possibly get those interceptions. I just really the one of the big things that this defense has done and has improved upon in the last couple of weeks is their is their penalties. And by not having so many penalties, we haven't been putting ourselves into bad spots, you know, second and short, you know, second and five, you know, first and five. And we're weird then in turn putting the pressure on everybody else. We mm-hmm. need to continue to be able to do that, not just in this game, but for all the games for you know, the rest of this month mm-hmm. and into the month of December, because we know that's you know, going to play a part. We'll talk about that as that uh, comes up. But start, stop the run. Don't let Dobbs be the one to uh, pick up all of these first downs. And I think PS2 on Jeff- Justin Jefferson is good. I mean, I asked you guys who we thought was a better wide receiver, Stephon Diggs or Justin Jefferson. And if Jefferson is really that much of a tier above Stephon Diggs, which I don't, you know, I'm not really sure if that's really a thing. Uh, I, I think that's a good matchup. And if, I mean, I if that matchup's PS2 on Jordan Addison, Yes, Jared, you're right. I think I would take PS2 in that matchup. You know, you get a rookie versus a man-child that PS2 (laughs) 6'2", 200-pound corner at. I'll take that matchup. But, of course, a lot's going to come up in the next couple of days to see what happens to Jefferson. But either way, I think that we actually for once, maybe maybe twice, have the upper hand when it comes to uh, secondary versus the wide receivers. Yeah. And sans John Jefferson, if Jefferson can't play, I do think Moreau has been playing much better the last couple of games. Did you just yes, say David. sans? Yes. You, I. Uh, okay. Did I use that wrong? Did I? Yo, you you didn't. Did, that's the that's the surprising <laughs> thing. I, uh, wow. Uh-huh. <laughs> Oh, you stop! You stopped my whole thought process to like to because you were surprised I used a I, word a four I, letter I, word correctly. I could not. I could not. It's not. It, wow. <laughs> I literally cannot even. <laughs> Anyways, our secondary is playing much better, so we got it. We got to give them that. The, I think the only thing we talked about is, and I mentioned it before. I'll just mention it again. Our tackling was really yeah. outside of that one drive and the tackling on that on the nine run plays for a touchdown uh, that the Bills had. We were doing play pretty well at holding the the Bills this this fantastic Bills offense uh, to to limited points and and to be able to win that game. Now, normally I'm going to transition this. Normally we don't talk about special teams, but I feel like we need to. So we'll talk we'll talk good and bad on special teams. The good Marvin Mims yes. is a is a pressurizer on special teams that they are going to need to look out for, and I'm so happy that we have a returner that we're excited about. Finally, right? Like, it, like after all these years of just like abysmal special teams play, you're like, when is this going to correct itself? When is the law of averages going to step <laughs> in and at least bring us a mediocre special teams instead of an outright abject disaster? And 
And then Sean Payton traded up for Marvin Mims. We are the number one special teams team. A special teams team? Is that good? That's good teams. great to say that, good. you know? When, when you're number one, you get to say it however you want. Hey, that's, that's <laughs> incredible. And that's due to one individual, okay? Yeah. Hey, so he puts this in a really good spot. I'll take that. I think the last time I was really excited about when we were out there was trending holiday. And mostly it was excitement tied with holding my breath, depending on what he did at that time. Um, so Marvin Mims, I, you know, if, if, if Peyton came out and told us that Marvin Mims hasn't been seeing offensive snaps because he wants to keep him for special teams, I will 100% accept that. That is probably <laughs> one of the only answers that you can give me for why he's not out there that I'll just be like, all right. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and shout out to the special teams coordinator too. I mean, he's, he's been drawing up some really good returns. Like the blocking has been better. Obviously there was a couple like Marvin Mims just took over that one kick return that I don't know how he got away from so many tackles and he figured out another 30 yards to get, but, but in general, I think that the blocking has been better. The, the scheming has been better. So that's, that's all good on the special teams coordinator, but we can't talk about the positives without talking about the negatives. Will Lutz and the the extra point team, field goal team. Now, the field goal, for some reason, our field goals are fine. Like, we're fine making them at 30, 45 yards. But for some reason, our, our extra point, obviously, the one missed extra point, the botch snap uh, with the second one, and then the hurry up, the, to hurry up on the field. And we thought we lost the game, and they had 12 men on the field. So are we super concerned with the extra point team? Or are we kind of chalking it up as a nervous night game? Like, let's go on and let's just figure it out and we'll be fine. I'm, I'm not nervous. Go. I'm letting it go. Yeah. I, I, we're, I guess, want to cam the fact that we had McManus for so long that it just, it was an afterthought. It's something that we didn't think about a lot. There were, there is, when it comes to Monday night games and the types of games that it is, it was a little, it's a little bit of kind of a pressure cooker and being a kicker is one of the least, you know, thankless jobs that you could possibly have on the team. I don't think that that kind of mistake is going to happen again. And I really hope I'm not, you know, you know, kicking myself in the ass for that. But I don't believe that's something that's going to happen again. I guarantee you that they're going to fix right that issue. And I could see us going 100% on field goals and extra points on Sunday night. I will clip it if it doesn't happen. And we'll make sure we bring it up on Tuesday night show. <laughs> David, what do you think? Yeah, no, I'm with Spotty. Um, um, it's a blip until, until it happens again. And it's just a blip. It's, it sucked. Because you know you, you you'd like to be in a position where you have those two points not matter to begin with, but they really really did matter uh, at the end of the game there. Um, 